As some pretty fierce cultural battles waged on, 2016 was a pretty interesting year for films. When the 2017 Oscars finally premiered, they featured movies as varied as La La Land, Hacksaw Ridge, Fences, Hidden Figures, and Natalie Portman nominated for playing Jackie Kennedy. It was a good year for representation in filmmaking. One fateful morning on January 2015, I was watching the Oscar nominations on TV, category after category, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress. There were no people of color nominated in 2015. And this was the year that gave us Selma. I took to Twitter and I said one thing, Oscars so white, they asked to touch my hair. Two years after the Oscars so white trend had called out acting nominations going only to white actors and actresses, the Academy was finally attempting to start to address the long-standing disparities in their award ceremony. Of course, that Oscars will be forever remembered for the awkward mistake when it came time to give out the Best Pictures Oscar. I, I want... Warren, what did you do? I want to tell you what happened. I opened the envelope and it said, Emma Stone, La La Land. That's why I took such a long look at Faye and at you. I wasn't trying to be funny. <laughs> well, you were funny. That Thank was you very funny. much. Thank yeah. you very much. Wow, this is... This um, is Moonlight, the best picture. Yeah. Okay. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Barry Jenkins' Moonlight, the 2017 best picture winner. Moonlight was adapted from Terrell Alvin McCraney's shelf play in Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. This one time, I run by this old, this old lady. I was running, hollering, cutting a fool, boy. This old lady, she stopped me. She said, running around, catching about that light. In moonlight, black boys look blue. 
The play was a semi-autobiographical coming-of-age story about a black man grappling with the sexuality in Miami. As a film, which McCraney and Jenkins co-wrote, it's a highly ambitious project. It is separated into three chapters, each one looking at a different part of Chiron's life, from childhood to adolescence to adulthood. And each chapter required different actors to play Chiron and his friend Kevin, who he falls in love with. The adult Kevin was played by Andre Holland, who was a longtime collaborator and friend of McCraney after he was cast in one of McCraney's first plays in grad school. The adult Chiron was played by Trevante Rhodes, who broke out with this film after only appearing in a couple of small films previously. So is he good at it? Oh, he's killing it. Uh, I'm great. just like feeding off every. You'll see, like, if it's a tough question, I just look to Andre. Nah. <laughs> I look out the door. <laughs> Each chapter was named after a different name that Sharon gets Little, Sharon, and Black. It's my nickname for you. You don't like it? No, it's just. What kind of dude goes around giving other dudes nicknames? Kind of do what just sat down is about to put you onto this blunt, nigga. In McCraney's original play, each of these identities would be portrayed on the stage concurrently, with the audience not realizing that they're meant to be the same character at first. Each iteration of Sharon requires that he add layers of masculinity, hiding his vulnerability and the sexuality behind a front. What's you, what's you looking at me like that for? What, man? Come on, you just drove down here. Yeah. Like you was just, you was just on one. And you hit the highway. It also stars Janelle Monet and Mahershala Ali as Sharon's surrogate parents because his real mother, Paula, is a crack addict. So you gonna raise my son now? Huh? You gonna raise my son? Yeah. That's what I thought. You gonna raise them? You gonna keep selling me rocks? Huh? The first chapter takes place at the height of the crack epidemic in Liberty City, Miami, and Sharon's new surrogate father, Juan, is an Afro-Cuban drug dealer. Little, as Sharon is called, grapples with being a little odd, his mother's addiction, and being presumed gay before he's even had a chance to find out. Mind if I get... You could be gay, but you gotta let nobody call you no faggot. I mean, unless... As a teenager in the second chapter, the bullies who have always targeted him keep coming. And of course, when he finally snaps and beats one of them back, he's the one who gets sent away. In the third chapter, Chiron, now called Black, has moved away from Liberty City and is now living in Georgia. This is definitely where the story leaves McCraney's own life, as he found improv and became a playwright, and Chiron becomes a drug dealer. Both Barry Jenkins and McCraney grew up in Liberty City around the same time during the crack epidemic, and both had mothers who became addicts. In fact, they were raised in the same Liberty Square housing project, although they didn't know each other. Jenkins was hesitant at first, fearing that as a straight man, this might not be his story to tell. That all of us really relate to Sharon in the sense that we all, at some point, are insecure about something in our life, you know. And I'm someone who, I try to make sense of everything. And I feel like Sharon 
tends to do the same thing, just in a different way. The context is a bit different. But I think the notions of repression, masculinity, and the face we put on to mask our vulnerability is relatable no matter what your sexuality is. I'm seeing good. And you ain't it. And stop putting your head down in my house. You know my rule. It's all love and all pride in this house. You feel me? I can't hear you. Do you feel me? Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. You can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. And she is organizing our Big Gay June extravaganza. Dan from the internet is the host of The Power Report, a frequent contributor to The Damage Report on TYT, and a former TYT producer. I, of course, am your film-loving host, Forrest Miller, coming at you live from the trap. Let's talk about masculinity and finding love in Miami. How does one find love in Miami? I played a lot of Vice City. I didn't find yeah. any love, though. I just found lots of uh, five-star <gasps> missions. Yeah. Forrest, you muted. <clears throat> this, this shit Warren, was muted. Roth, you're a great Warren, star. Warren, Warren Beatty should have said. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There, there, is, there is everybody. My classic Bullworth. What a guy. He started rapping. That's, that, he should have been like, don't yeah. know who won. It would have been a less confusing outcome. Kind of like how right. Ashley Simpson was doing like this when she got caught lip sync on Saturday Night Live. So uh, how's it going, Dan? I'm happy we finally have you on. Yeah, it's great to finally make it work. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing well. This is... I'm having a really busy work day, so this is essentially my lunch, even though it's 5 p.m. right now. But it's <laughs> something I've been able to do, um, something I'm, I'm enjoying being able to do. If I sound drunk, this is literally a 0% seltzer. I'm just really bad with words sometimes, which is great <laughs> for a host. So, um, no, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to uh, talk about this film on the week of Juneteenth um, during Pride Month. It's a great, great, like, X, Y axis thing for me. Yeah. Well, no, while you're at the ocean. Saying. It's uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of uh, the perfect um, you know the, the the perfect yeah the perfect metric I guess of uh, both Juneteenth week you know when some people are very upset that this is happening and Pride Month when those same people are very upset that this is happening. So have, have y'all heard that uh, Juneteenth is currently uh, in the bracket in the final four against uh, the Fourth of July Independence Day because apparently the holidays are fighting now. Uh, I mean, I mean, if we're being honest, I don't understand why us white folks are bitching about having another day off. Yeah, it, yeah. Seems, it seems like real cuck behavior to be like, yeah, to be like, oh, I'm so racist. 
I want to work today. <laughs> yeah, I, I want all the days off. So, like, great, I'm anti-work. Like, Let's if go. It's, if it's for a great reason, awesome. You know, if it's for like a terrible reason, I'm also for it. Like, it's, <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't believe in the four, forty day, uh, forty hour work week. Forty day. Jesus. The forty, <laughs> the, the 40, the 40, 40 day. The forty uh, day seems like forty week. days sometimes. Am I right, folks? Yeah. They, uh, they actually, they actually put you into the metaverse. So that you can work at the same time you're working during it's the coming up. Day work week you know what i mean you know i think i saw that black mirror episode <laughs> but um yeah dan so this is the first time you've seen this movie right last weekend uh you know 2016 was a very weird time like i feel like i wasn't watching a lot of new movies that year it was like there was too much other stuff going on there's a lot of anxiety going on like i don't know if uh sitting down and watching moonlight would have been what i was going to do in like 2016. so i i missed it as well <laughs> Yeah, I was profoundly um, just plugged out of culture. Still kind of am. Um, and I'm working my way back in. For context, I just watched The Wire, The Sopranos, and Breaking Bad all in oh, the past, like, six months. Yeah, you don't need to watch <laughs> any more TV shows. That's just, it only gets worse You're after good. those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I prefer to go in for um, overstimulation, which is why I'm choosing for, to go with Barbie, for, oh, sorry, Oppenheimer first, and then Barbie right after. Yeah. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> well, that well, that, well, that's good because, like, well, actually, no, because depending, because I feel like when I go see Barbie, a lot of us are gonna be caught in the explosion when Oppenheimer's, you know, next door to us. Well, we don't know glitter, how many explosions the, are gonna be in Barbie. Don't doubt Greta. It's the uh, it's the <laughs> glitter bomb. You know what I mean? In the oh, same yeah. way, in the same way that we all get hit by the A bomb. You know, in the in the in, in the story of Oppenheimer, you get hit by the, by the glitter bomb. And everything's just taken over with pink. And uh, think pink. I still like the idea of doing a double header of uh, covering those movies. I I absolutely. I I suggested that. That'd be cool. I know. I remember, and I agree. Big panel. Big panel. We 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 need a good mix of Oppenheimer stands and Barbie stands. It'd be cool. Wait, Dan. Are we gonna do brackets? Like apparently is now happening with everything. I didn't Dan, know holidays had brackets. Like, I demand uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie's debate. No. Um, <laughs> exactly. You ran the poll the other day that was like Barbieheimer and uh, Oppenbarbie or whatever as the two, yeah. <laughs> as the two names. Because for... I'm going to do both in the same night when they premiere. I just need to know which order. And I feel like uh, Oppenheimer to Barbie is the most deranged. Therefore, I'm definitely going to do it. I because feel like... Oppenheimer... Go ahead. I was gonna say I think the Barbie movie is the bigger wild card. Like I think we know what we're gonna get with Oppenheimer, and I don't say that like I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. Well, I mean look at <laughs> Nolan, right? Like, you, you whether you're a main person of his thing or not, he's relatively predictable. Even Tenet was pretty predictable, like frankly. Uh, and I feel like with Barbie, Greta's like a wild card, man, and I mean that as a compliment. I like all of her movies. None of them really are that like each other, you know, like. Who knows? They're really, they're really pumping out promotion to make the Barbie movie look as wild as possible, too. Like, they're putting as many of like my favorite musicians and artists that I like in there. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's 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 a pop culture thing that I'm going to be a part of. But yeah, I, I usually am not a part of these things, especially in 2016. I was like in the midst of college and my personal life and kind of covering the Trump stuff. And yeah, it was a mess. I, I probably should have enjoyed more of these things. I guess I was just watching... A lot of Rick and Morty at the time, Rip and Peace. Movies were on so, the burner. Yeah, it, it's been great to get back into a lot of these like big cultural touchstones and understands. Well, stuff. it's wild to think about this year. I mean, we even did like an Oscars night this year, like I, yeah. that live stream. It was actually pretty successful and a lot of fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we evaded copyright. The, we, we caught the algorithm wave. Yes. Oh yeah. I was gonna say also evaded copyright ban, which is which is also good. Uh, but I, <laughs> like the idea of 
of doing that uh, in 2016, that's not where I was at at all. Like I was aware of like the movies that I cared about, but like I hadn't really dived back into modern cinema the way the way that I have uh, basically since COVID hit, and then you know being guest on shows and then being on this show. We're like now the idea of like, oh, here's like a top con- like a movie that's like everyone's talking about. It's a contender for best picture. Basically, unless it's Avatar, I'm not fucking wa- I'm, which I'm not ever watching. Like <laughs> which, I'm going to which watch one. It. There's oh, the last Airbender, which they're making another live action one. Oh, or no, they don't care about James Cameron. There, there, no, there's, no, 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 there's a, a new live action one. There's a void of interest of anything Avatar related. Peace and love, very happy Avatar to all celebrate. Any of the franchises me. with the name Avatar in them. You know? I don't care. <laughs> Either yeah, of them. None of them. It's, it's, it's Conan and I are on the same wavelength when it comes to Avatar. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Airbender, Bluebender, I don't know, one of the <laughs> <laughs> Pipebender is a new one. I mean, anyway, the last, but the last Avatar movie is going to come out when I'm like 38, so I find that really disturbing. So, but, I mean, the idea of like that, I would it would go that they're the massive amounts of Best Picture nominees that like I just don't see any of them. Like, it's kind of like crazy to me now, just because this is this is show has become like a bigger part of my life. But at the time, I was like, I didn't even. I mean, I saw La La Land like last year. It's fine. It was yeah. Best Picture. It was like. Really? Babylon okay. better, to be honest, than La La Land when it comes to that. I'm not a big fan at all. I like Whiplash, and that's about it. I don't like anything else that guy's really done that much. And like, yeah, I, I never bothered. I never bothered fine. to watch La La Land, but then I I watched uh, Babylon for this show when we did our episode on it, yeah. and well, definitely well, you guys did not because I because yeah. I said I would not do it. I think it's important <laughs> to note that. Like, do it when I'm out. I don't want to. Watch I that. remember yeah. watching Whiplash on a date in college, and that was a that, that was an experience. <laughs> oh saying. man, experience. I, I'm not trying to one up you here, but just similarly, uh, I saw Hit Factory just covered Crash, the Cronenberg Crash, not the one that solved racism, and uh, <laughs> I I saw that on a date. That's that sounds intense. Uh, it it, it, it ended up working out fine. Thing after that, great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it worked out great. But point. but it was definitely yeah. like I was like, oh, I should. I should have thought about this maybe a little more. It's like okay, yeah, but got to to see Congo, you know. <laughs> Congo. You know? Holy crap! Anyway, should we talk about Moonlight? Anyway, well, speaking yeah, right? of Moonlight, can we what, talk what? about Green Book for a second? Because oh, do we have to? I mean, <laughs> do we have to? Michelle Holly was in Green Book, and it's like Green Book's like a major downgrade from Moonlight. Like, Green Book's a down, a downgrade from uh, like just random Twitch streams, frankly. Yeah. Hello to our viewers like on Twitch. <laughs> Flavor Town it. over Lava Land any day. Good lord. Flavor Town. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't ever want to talk about Green Book. I want to talk about Moonlight because yeah, it. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I saw love, it. I like love the last fact year. Why? I think we're I think we're so deprived of after parties that like we're just starting to do the after party instead of the show. So. <laughs> it's fun. It's cool. We're still talking about Moonlight. Is it? Oh, when, is it though? When, <laughs> no, we haven't even started talking about Moonlight. Oh, well, I want to talk guys, about cinematography. What was your reaction though? Like, because I remember watching those Oscars and I was like, really, Emma Stone, La La Land. But then when I was like, La La Land for Best Picture, I'm like, something's up. Something's a little fishy. Something's a little sus. I'm like, there's no way in hell La La Land won Best Picture. And they're like, no, Moonlight, Moonlight, and I'm like, thank mm-hmm. God. This is a very weird moment in history. It, uh, I had forgotten all about that, and luckily, I watched this film without thinking about and it. And a dude was streaking, like I mean, 
Oscar's so wild at some points because, like, I'm like, you know, that's <laughs> one of the craziest moments. And they've actually had a dude streak across the Oscars back in, like, 74 or something like that. I thought you meant an actual streaker. And then I was also envisioning Oscar Wilde's estate being litigious and, like, filing suit at the same time you said that. But <laughs> See, I, I only included the Oscar part of it in the intro because I wanted to – uh, I just got a, a cease and desist letter from Oscar Wilde's state. Um, so <laughs> oh, I to run, everyone. into the vibe of like 2016, 2017, and kind of uh, you know, so we can we can be in the headspace of that moment because it was a wild, like crazy fucking cultural moment. I think altogether, like uh, I think Hollywood starting like starting to be a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more serious about representation and. Uh, awarding films that that did well that you know had like that told stories that weren't necessarily told in like mainstream Hollywood you know that they were after being, being yeah aggressively called out about it yeah yeah, yeah. they were they were starting <laughs> For to sustain time a little bit more I mean clumsy about it but but a little bit more conscious of it yeah and yeah. At, at the same time you know the Trump fucking 2016 election kind of stuff is happening and it's just this this weird cultural vortex where it's like one step ahead with something that doesn't even matter in the lives of most people. And then like 10 steps behind because we had a black president. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's these, it's, it's these weird, uh, I, I think it was this moment of like extreme polarization. And, there's, um, and, and with the Oscar so white campaign, I remember the one thing, Whoopi Goldberg always has something to say. She's like, well, the thing, I mean, Oscar's so white, but there's, a, there's not a whole lot of black creators, black directors, black actors creating content for people of color to act in black stories you know and i'm like yeah 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 well she had I her mean, boyfriend do do a uh, blackface to serenade her at a birthday party so i don't know if she's oh, the person oh oh man that, <laughs> i don't know if she's wow. the best person to take the cultural pulse of the nation because she was dating yeah. fucking ted danson and made him oh. do blackface at her birthday party i, I forgot all about sounds, that that man. sounds like a larry david bit like, it kind of was yeah <laughs> It it, it, uh, literally, it literally was, but like two decades before uh, Larry David, like you know. Oh, was, I, like, I remember right that around photo. Seinfeld. I, that's what was, it was. Yeah, yeah. Somebody snuck in and took it. Like it was supposed to be one of those like uh, no photos, please events. And somebody yeah, snuck yeah. in and took a picture of blackface attendance. Well, yeah, it was like the nineties or something, right? I think I saw yeah, that. Those sort of signs are like the Streisand effect. Like one of my favorite signs when I'm going out is like when you're at a fast food joint and it says. Uh, cups are for second or for refills on same visit only, which implies there's a whole like racket of people who just like collect cups out of the garbage and go places for free That's refills. Right. So badly <laughs> they had a nasty. sign. It's like, yo, I didn't even know that was a gimmick. I I, I might like you know carry that uh, thing on me real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Scammers, scammers so are gonna weird. scam whether it's like the most low key scam, which is like you know you you refill your cup after <laughs> like literally like the most penny anti shit you could possibly big golds unlock. Yeah, or you know, something bigger, uh, you know, that, that takes people down out of a shitload of money or something like that. But Moonlight, let's talk about, let's talk about Moonlight. I, I was going to say, this This might be a record that we've now gone 22 minutes without talking about the movie, but that doesn't include I mean, the intro. We kind of are, because, like, again, with the Oscar so are white we? thing. I mean, are we, we are, because we got to address the Oscar so white thing, because, I mean, when so Whoopi Goldberg we, yeah. said <laughs> the idea of, like, oh, there's just not enough, you know, people of color who work in Hollywood. I'm like, no, there are. It's just Hollywood's a very white, very establishment, you know, society that they're not giving these, you know, more minority based creators a chance to actually show off their original content, which explains why we're getting constant remakes, you know, unoriginal contents being shelved. And it's just, it just drives me nuts. 
and also to add to that, like it's a, I, I think as someone who was kind of watching it outside of that context, I saw that TikTok. I still don't believe it. I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but um, no, but like it, it, I think the Oscar is so white thing. And, you know, I do a lot of music <laughs> stuff on a music podcast audio face. So I pay a lot of attention to the Grammys, but even sort of the culture that is exists and kind of gives Moonlight a lot of its structure, um, at least plot wise is this existence in a white context, you know, this existence to like white framing and expectations of things so that anything that's outside of that mold or molds that are created as a, because or as a result of that are, you know, like what is wrestled through in society when you even get to some of the characters in moonlight, like and how it reflects, you know, coming of age as a black person in that context of a white America, it, it makes sense in the same way that it sort of relates to the Oscars. I'm not explaining it in the best way, but um, oh, and, and it's representation of of not just you know, um, black themes and like you know black culture as a whole, but like you know LGBTQ culture, which is um, you know obviously there's there's overlap, but those stories don't necessarily get told um, even as regularly as you know like black stories. You know what I mean, like. Um, as or like even a, understood a, as such, right? Like yeah. It's, so you could you could see that and like not understand the sort of like blackness of the film, really, and I, and that helps to its universality. But when it comes to being recognized by the Oscars, like you almost a lot of these films, like they they get recognized because people see their experiences in them, and so right. part of that response is. Can you also show that recognition for films that are allowing us to see our experiences as well? Right, right. For people, a voting populace that maybe has not had that experience and is looking at it as like some foreign concept necessarily. By the way, this was in the running. We did a coming of age month. This was in the running in the coming of age month. But we just had like, as we do normally, like 40 movies and like four slots. And so we didn't have <laughs> um, But this this is, I think, at the heart of it, that's what this is, right? I mean, this yeah. this this. But this is like a very different kind of coming of age story than than you see, not even because it's a you know uh, centering like not just a, a black experience but a black queer experience, but just I mean it's just a different kind of movie. Like it's I mean this is a look. I think I think the word vibe movie gets overused, but this is absolutely a vibe movie, and part of that has to do with that. Andy. I know you really want to talk about cinematography and the, and the colors and whatnot, but it's like God, it's a beautiful looking movie. Just a really like like just aside from the content, the performances, the directions, all it's just a really cool looking movie. Yeah, and and also I think the the structural like the structure of it, right? Um, Terrell Alvin McCraney is now you know the the Yale uh, playwright, you know the the dean of uh, not dean but like the the head of playwright playwriting at Yale or something. So he's he's the um, the playwright that wrote the original you know in Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue, the um, play that this is based on, and is a semi autobiographical. Uh, thing that he wrote when he was a lot younger, like as a teenager that never got made into a play. And um, he and Barry Jenkins worked together and they both come from Miami. They both come from like that same Liberty City area. And, uh, you know, Barry Jenkins, who had only made one movie at that point, um, adapted his uh, his play that he wrote like as a teenager into the script. And I kind of thought that that was very interesting because Barry Jenkins, obviously, he's a, you know, he's an ally, but he's a he's a straight he's a straight man. Like he's, you know, um, it's not. And, it's not strictly his story, right? Yeah, like it's, well, not, it's not an autobiography. Yeah. Much like a trap artist, there, there, there's a little bit of you know, <laughs> you, you're throwing some salt and pepper in this the story. You're adding some seasoning a little bit. Maybe you did do this thing that would probably be an admission in court. Maybe you didn't. That's all part of the show. <laughs> exactly. So um, to say, yeah. 
So yeah. By the way, so I, I'm now the dean of podcasts. Thank you for the subtitles. <laughs> we're the Yale, the Yale dean, dean of podcasts. Um, so uh, this is uh, Y D L L. There was a there was a bracket and everything. <laughs> so I thought this. Was what interesting. I thought that was going to call back. What? No. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm not the dean of <laughs> well, every, podcasts. Everything's everything's bracketed nowadays. We're living Apparently. in the the uh, the bracket era. You know. It's all tied together. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Terrell's piece uh, in Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue, uh, came to me through a mutual acquaintance. And Terrell and I had not met uh, at that point, and yet we grew up blocks from one another, went to the same schools, and both our mothers uh, went through uh, the struggle with addiction that you see uh, the lovely Naomi Harris uh, portray in the film. Um, And, and so when I read it, and the person that gave it, gave it to me, uh, these guys, Andrew uh, Havia and Lucas Leva, they're part of this group called Borscht, uh, they knew enough about me and enough about Terrell to know that there was a through line uh, between our two stories. And it's funny because I've heard Terrell describe uh, the play as sort of this, uh, like uh, the coalescing of these memories. And it's funny because his memories felt like memories of my memories. And so right away, I just saw this place where, you know, I've always considered myself um, an ally um, for people who identify as LGBTQ, um, and yet I never thought I could write a character um, that had that as a, f a fun foundational element of their identity, where there was so much that just, that just sort of like blended between our biographies that I thought this is, you know, I want to step up to this challenge. Um, and as an ally, I don't want to be a passive ally. I want to be an active ally. And so I took the play and I began adapting it. And Terrell and I talked about it together for a while. And then he became a Make Arthur genius and got very, very busy. Um, and so I flew to Miami and asked his blessing to take the piece and the discussions we had had and translate it into the structure uh, that we have here. Um, and then the casting of it kind of just, uh, our casting director is right. There, Yessi Ramirez, this woman right here. The, uh, the, the first decision I made, uh, because the play was, was non-linear, was to make it linear and to sort of split it between these three chapters. I've seen this film called Three Times by Ho Shao Shen, and I love the way, yes, for Ho Shao Shen. And I just love the way you could explore a couple uh, in, in that format. Um, and so speaking to Yessi and Adela and Jeremy and Didi and all the producers, I said, well, I'm pretty sure I want to cast three different actors to play this part. You know, it's the same character, but he's become different people. So we'll cast different persons uh, to play the same character. Um, and what I always wanted was them to have the same feeling. And it's funny, the three, all three sitting together right there. And I, I feel like they have the same eyes. And, uh, and as someone who studied uh, Walter Murchis in the blink of an eye, I just thought if these guys could have the same eyes, that would be enough to spiritually get you through the first story to the second story to the third and feel like you're on a journey with the same character. So that was kind of how it went down. <laughs> Makes sense that he thinks about the eye because he spends a lot of this movie uh, with you engaging with the gaze of the character. And... and that was a, a, a wonderful way of silently telling the story too, I thought, uh, of, of, you know, drawing you in because uh, in the words of Christopher Walken, the eyes are the windows of the face. <laughs> well, and, and sometimes it feels almost like you're uh, hearing their thoughts, right? Like 
the like when when the mom Naomi Harris is like um you know like talking to him and asking for money like some of the time her mouth doesn't move yeah they it, did that it, a couple looks... times to abstract the scenes almost yeah because right? because they're not supposed to be uh you know you know like you weren't supposed to be taking it literally you're you're supposed to be taking the emotion of it uh and it's it's like that you know memories are like that you know this is uh it, it creates an unreliable narrator to do that yeah for sure I actually didn't think about that point of it i was thinking almost about like how we were supposed to feel almost so connected with them and, and like the the gaze or whatever and and the actual you know like the, like the facial expressions that it's almost like we didn't need words throughout a lot of it because they're you know especially with chiron there's a lot of points where he doesn't say anything like they, he conveys a lot of information uh throughout the movie without actually saying anything and they kind of make fun of it at one point with kevin being like oh you're exactly the same you know you don't know how to put uh three words together you know um, and then he's like, well, I know how to say, you know, you told me that you were going to give me food. And he's like, <laughs> but uh, like, th there's a lot of this movie is conveyed through silence. Which we're practicing in this show. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and, that was the point. That was the point. A, a wonderful score, too. I, I just want to throw in there, like the score kind of carried a lot of it uh, up until he gets hit. Because notice that's like the one moment where there yeah. isn't any music. Uh, what was the moment when he gets punched and uh, the you know there's no music there's no sound uh, it, and it just kind of you know draws you in in a different way. Um, I think you should have gotten a get out of jail free card. Like I, that kid sucked. That kid really yeah. sucked. I think that kid that kid needed to get hit by at least one. Well, and that's a that's a bold <laughs> and frankly very cathartic and satisfying moment. But like you know yeah pretty like. Intense because you you know something's gonna happen, right? Also, by the way, I used to be the one that get brought in to talk about the music. Remember, remember that as the working musician oh, yeah. of the group. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, the guy I wanna, who tours and makes I wanna, records. I want to talk about that. I, I, I was hoping to jump in. Said, I want I want to talk about the music in this because uh, and and I definitely want to hear your thoughts about this this part of it. The music is the same as Nicholas Breitel. <laughs> I got another same. The, the same uh, the same guy that scored uh, secession, uh, right? secession and also yeah. don't look up with the dun, 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 like the you know yeah. the, the intro music where it's like yeah. that we talked about with uh you know jerry uh, jerry Casali of devo named yeah yep. the, um so I, I i like the music in this a lot um i didn't realize it was him until today that, that did the scoring throughout it but like the atmospheric nature of it you can kind of tell because mm -hmm. they repeat a lot of the same uh you know the same movements i guess and and that's something that they do in secession that people point out a lot as well with his music like his music is one of those things that you can kind of atmospherically place over visuals to like uh enhance scenes in that way yeah and which I isn't the him. way that everybody scores like that's not the way that everybody scores films nowadays like sometimes people mm. either go for uh you know something recognizable which they did when he's in the car well in the beginning with that you know that that one song every you know is a star like that that one opening so you kind of know uh where you are and then the then the classic i'm a classic man that song was playing, and, and specifically like the miami southern touch to do not just the regular song but the chopped and screwed version yeah. as well <laughs> sure like yeah, there are certain yeah. there's certain moments of the film where it, it was you know like blackity black black like very unapologetically <laughs> what it was and trying to represent that kind of thing and that felt like a really specific nod as well um they also yeah, have that was one the soundtrack. They have uh Chiron's theme and then they have Chiron's theme chopped and screwed. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And I only knew about the Nicholas Bertel thing too. I some of my favorite memes were like people overlaying like trap dance-offs 
with the succession themes. They do it with the theme song. They do it with the um, <laughs> Andantino wow. for brass and orchestra, sort of like the Womp Womp song of the, of the show. Like, Nicholas Vitelli's going off. Like, he's got this, like, Hans Zimmer streak if he keeps going. Yeah. Although, better than Hans Zimmer. He's better We're than Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 <laughs> Hans we, we have notorious beef with Hans Zimmer since I think the third time I was on this show before I was even a co host. In <laughs> oh. the oh. fact that I think he's a hack who farms out all his work to his subordinates and uh, hasn't come up with anything interesting or unique in about 20 years. Thank you. Yeah, it just, just makes it loud and dumb. Yeah, exactly. I, I like how often I, I like how was... often the Hans Zimmer hate has come in handy though. Like we could we've invoked that. <laughs> we can tag anybody having a discussion about Hans Zimmer. Uh, actually, we hate that guy. Here's why. <laughs> oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, but but like uh, I just want to. It was say just too. an impassioned, impassioned rant about Dune too. But I thought the Dune sound the Dune soundtrack was hacky. Because you know why I thought it was hacky? Because it was, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's so innovative." Really? Because I can name you five other movies that do exactly the same thing, and four of which Hans Zimmer and or his team did. Anyway, go listen. Speaking of musicians in Moonlight, Janelle Monet is also like a queer musician yes. who has done a lot of mm -hmm. work. Um, and <laughs> no, but like has done a lot of work even on her own through albums, Arc Android, Dirty Computer, Age of Ple Pleasure. Um, I've been explorations of sexuality and also gender as well, which I think have been amazing. It's really cool that she gets to play kind of the mothering, like the actual mothering figure. Um, yeah. For Chiron in the sh in, in the film rather, yeah, well, yeah, and, because uh, and she was she's a great actress too. I mean, I liked her in Glass Onion a lot. We covered that one, and I, and I was like, yeah, well, yeah, she's I, like legit good. <laughs> like yeah. she's in these different kinds of roles, and she's really good at them. It was uh, it was it was it was cool seeing her in this after that because it was like, oh yeah, we just uh, we just had a whole conversation about her, uh, you know, on 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 Glass Onion when we did that yep. like a couple months ago. Uh, I I like this. This is her talking about her artistic process though. And uh, how this film kind of, um, like the the exploration within this film, kind of uh, resonated with her because of that. Let's play two mentors to Little Chiron, and you know, kind of take him under your wing. It takes place in the '80s and back when you know people kind of were a little bit more involved. In late '90s. Oh, late '90s. Late sorry, 90s. sorry, yeah. sorry. sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh -huh. I'm, um, so it felt very, you know, very community friendly. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like nowadays, you know, with Amber Alerts and kidnapping and people just living in fear, do you feel like that still people can still, you know, find a little boy, take him home for dinner and give him back to his parents? Do you feel like that can happen now? Because I feel like that's such an important mm -hmm. part of community. But I, I think it probably depends on the community you live in. Like mm -hmm. there's still certain areas probably where Janelle grew up, mm -hmm. um, especially like in the South and Midwest yeah. that still feel that yeah. feel a little bit like towns and folks, folks know each other and, and look out for each other. But I think when you, when you have a more <laughs> urban big city experience mm -hmm. that maybe, maybe that is not the case. And I think just in general, people's approach to parenting as well mm -hmm. is, is a lot more cautious than what it, and precious than what it was mm -hmm. many years back. Yes. Yeah, I would say, um, I think there are good people out here. I think that no matter what the media and the news tries to portray, all the negativity that we see, all the, the bad things back to back to back to back to back, and you have politicians mm -hmm. who are playing off the fear of right. us saying, mm -hmm. you know, terrorists are here. If you look like that, you're a terrorist. Build up a wall. There's a lot of 
of, of there are people who want to divide mm -hmm. and conquer. They use divisive tactics. But in my heart, I know that humanity is better than that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that one, if we get off the Internet and we stop looking um, on the media for how we um, how we want to judge uh, the world uh, to be, if we go out and really start talking to one another, start listening, knocking on doors, I think I think that's what it was. The internet wasn't there. It wasn't so much media being pushed in our in our faces saying these groups of people are predators. And if you look like this, you know, if they look like this, watch out for them. I think when people when you really go talk to people, you'll realize you have much more in common and people are good people. Yeah. Yes. Like, there are a lot of great people. Yes. And I just I, I want to see that highlighted. And I think that's why it was important for Herschel and I yeah. to take these roles yeah. to show, to give an example of how we nurture. Um, uh, a young man or a young child who is is in need of mentorship. You know, it's important that we do on. that. Because something that feels, for so many people that have responded, we've heard a lot. Wow, I've, we're, this is so surprising to see these characters. Mm -hmm. mm. Those are real normal to us yeah. in really growing up. Like we know people those who, people. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it's yes. the opposite yes. experience. Yeah. So yeah. there hasn't been, you haven't seen the camera pointed at Mm -hmm. Teresa and Awan yeah. within the context of the story yeah. mm -hmm. or someone who kind of becomes your your fake uncle yeah. and he looks out like those are not yeah. they're in our lives those, they're, those they're are in there. our lives yeah. and, and even mm -hmm. like drug dealers always like vilified and yeah. you know mm -hmm. what I mean it's like they're just humans and they're Absolutely. Right. everyone has Absolutely. a heart right. and I totally received that from the movie right. like it, it, I feel like it, that made it very clear yeah. that's great yeah um, and so this movie also focuses on like you know life's big moments or even little moments and how they can affect your life forever, mm. you know, and you don't realize it until way down the line that yeah. that life, that moment was a really pivotal part. Mm. Now, do you guys have like a moment like that, good or bad, that like, you know, there's someone helped you or came in, but that moment where you're like, that is when things changed. Do you guys... Have memories like that? Oh, several. several. <laughs> Me too. Like, several of those several. moments. Um, I mean, when I was reading, you know, the 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 script, I was crying. We, you know, I think we both had a very visceral reaction to it, and we were just like, "Man, this reminds me of an aunt." For me, I had a younger aunt um, and an older female cousin that I both I would talk to as I was trying to navigate through life, and as I was trying to decide if I was going to embrace the things that made me unique even if it made others uncomfortable or if I was going to conform and just kind of hide myself. And I'm speaking from an artistic perspective. There are times when I was told, you know, don't dress like this. Don't, you know, wear your hair like this or women as a woman, you know, you're constantly, constantly mm. being judged um, by how sexy you are, how sexy you should be, or, you know, this is masculine. This is what feminine uh, femininity looks like. You mm. should be this. And I had to make some choices. Um, and I think Mahershala, you had a quote uh, that you said to Chiron mm. that, you know, you have to decide who you're going to be. Gonna be. Right. And absolutely in my in my uh, life as an artist, just in general, I had to decide what kind of music I was going to make, how I wanted to be remembered, um, if I was going to, you know, uplift and inspire or if I was going to be a part of tearing down my community mm -hmm. through my lyrics, through my art. I had to make those decisions and it was women in my life who set me down and, and I could talk through that. with. Even if they didn't give me advice, just them listening, I could hear what I sounded like. Hmm. It is a powerful uh, moment in the film and 
great quote. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really speaks to. First of all, I'm just gonna say that interviewer was <laughs> not having their best day. No. <laughs> um, Peace no, so it's like very, very like racist type of like, like just bad. Those, like, those are just bad questions. No, so if like, if like, I if I go into a random neighborhood and I like pick up a kid and ask the kid to come over for, you think I could still do that? Do you think I could still, you know, do you think I could still pick up a kid and and, and just you know kidnap the kid? The kid. <laughs> I got some candy. Yes, the Amber Alerts. So, you sound a bit like the guy who was uh, interviewing Selma Hayek and is just like, "Yeah, I didn't look at you when you were changing your clothes." You know, it's like, what? Nobody, nobody said anything about that. Why are you bringing that up? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you? So the yeah. thing I noticed about this movie—wait, wait, hold was on—that like... that was I want to hear what Dan actually had to say. Right. That was like the aside for it. <laughs> the the the, no, the normal reaction for that is just like I, I think we all know, or at least a, a lot of us have like seen or know other people who have had sort of like adoptive families or extended families or yeah. like they're describing like extended families that uh, are extended family members that help you out and are at times more helpful than your immediate family or friends right? yeah your so uncles like, or aunts that are maybe are not actually blood uncles or aunts but they're you know they're considered family and, and, and even going towards like the complex relationship of chiron's mother who like will turn on a dime with him personality wise because of the drug addiction and then yeah. kind of grows at that point kind of says i need you to know that i love you even if you always hate me and that's was the thing that finally gets to chiron and it's like this whole you know people sometimes don't fully change they're not always fully what they want what you want them to be but like over time that was a moment where it was <laughs> little quote unquote like little chiron who was being yeah. spoken to and that I kind of exist through the film is that, and, and it's a really powerful message is that through hiding who you are, through Chiron with his sexuality, but through any other way you see it, it a lot of times you're just hiding and you're hurt from that smaller version of yourself who just kind of like was taught to hold that in, was taught to not express that as a coping mechanism, as a survival mechanism. And all of those moments where Chiron is breaking down whether he's um learning how to swim or being fed that meal like anytime he's being nurtured in any kind of way uh those are the moments where that little boy is sort of healed where he gets to actually be himself in a world where he has to like shell up almost like to the fullest extent uh in the third part of it which i think was like a really like definitely theater perfect way to do it but it was executed pretty well and which makes it uh, so much more powerful too. That last uh, moment where they finally, you know, uh, caress each other, and he finally gets, you know, touched by somebody that he loves, and like he gets to actually like fully be, you know, embodied in, in himself, and have his, um, you know, and have Kevin like uh, guide him through that moment. And then it it cuts to him as a little kid on the beach, which is the moment that I have behind us as as the background. But um, you know, he, he's he's healing, and he's you know at that most vulnerable, and uh, despite you know the fronts, which. A little heavy-handed that you know his the fronts that he has in his grills they keep on being like uh oh you have those fronts in as like a metaphor for um you know fronting yeah. on your you know performative masculinity but uh but still like in that moment he's he's fully able to you know um be back in that uh vulnerable state that he's in in the beginning which he's you know such a such a such a, like a, a beautiful child you know what i mean like he's he's just looking at everything it's just his gaze the entire time he's having these conversations um like he's very like he's curious about stuff and he's obviously hurt but like 
trying to figure stuff out but also, also like 11 years horny too so that, that has to be kept in mind the background like it's apparently like hasn't been with anyone in like a, a decade or so so yeah. like, are clogged like, up yeah yeah you know <laughs> it's, uh, get, get, get the post nut clarity and then maybe it's a little bit <laughs> and then talk yeah, yeah yeah exactly well that's that shit that's a post-credit you, scene that's that Sorry. shit that has you that has you uh driving on the highway as soon as somebody gives you a call you know what i mean like he's he's like oh someone someone's you know dtf i'm gonna get on the highway right now because <laughs> i know it's a 10-hour drive from atlanta to orlando um and, and he went to miami that's that's like you know 12 13 hours 14 hours depending on traffic that's right well. well which is why i mean it makes it makes way more sense when you have that conversation where he's like so you just got on the highway and started driving and yeah like, let's break down the mechanics of this yeah well no but that's at I'm, least sam levinson didn't touch this one but i think themes. To, to the earlier point, though, yeah, I mean, the, the, this this movie does a great job of, of showing that, you know, this, this as a young man, as a, as a young boy, this very sweet, like, you know, naive in some way, like, young boy trying to, like, find who he is and trying to find his place in the world and have build some structure out of, like, a very chaotic environment is just constantly assailed by these, these outside forces that basically, it's like, well, how much of your humanity and empathy can you keep? when uh when you are again just under this inexorable assault all the time of cynicism and hate and just unwelcome this um and and i think that that's that's key as well and i think that that's a that's a more broad-based thing but like i was actually like looking at the poster which i was like oh that's an interesting poster i didn't think too much about it but the fact that it's like the three versions of him like divided up, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And then in the earlier clip, when you mentioned the um, when they're talking about like in the play, it's like you're not especially certain if it's even the same person or like who it is that's supposed to be. Yeah. Like I think that's so cool because I kind of got that without it having you know a brick bat hit me over the head with it necessarily. They even did a things. good job casting like aging wise. Like you, you you're, yeah. you're convinced that that little boy and that kid grows up to be that man. Yeah, and and it's Kevin was I, definitely a little bit of a harder sell for me, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there, there's well, a clip two, of, two um, of them were pretty good, and, and then they got the third one that was just like, at least he's a good actor. For me, it was there's, one there's, and three. There's an in, there's an interview with uh, Andre Holland, who's like the, the Kevin, you know, the the adult version of Kevin, yeah. where he's like, that kid is a mole. Should I try to put on some kind of mole? And they're like, no, 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 you're good. And he's like, are you sure? Because I. I don't feel like I match this kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's almost. But I think it, it's like kind of meant to be almost. Um, you know, not to be letter perfect. It's supposed to be because the the idea is that these you know people change as, as they age, and that you know maybe maybe it's not to meant meant to be an exact like make them look as much like each other because they're very different people now than they. It, used it's to be. also part of that uh, unreliable narration of the film, right? Sure. Like. You know, there, there's Which an is apparently dialed back from the stage play. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wish you know, I wish they could put out the stage play like and actually like show what his, uh, you know, what uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney's mind was with that because I'd be very curious to see how he wanted to put it together with the three actors, kind of because I guess the way that he had originally structured it was they were going about a day in in the life of kind of um, you know the Chiron character and. Um, but like all three of them are happening simultaneously, like on consecutive stages, which is just a, a kind of fascinating mm. way to put on that play. Like it's, ha I mean, 
I, I don't know. I don't know how they'd uh, figure that's, that out. That sounds like a peak theater time for sure. Yeah. <laughs> this like um, <laughs> this film has a lot of very very important themes from like black masculinity, um, vulnerability, even like the use of water a lot in this film. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty. Like when I was like looking more into the film, I was like. You know, there are some things that I wanted to look more into. And they said water is often used, seen as uh, cleansing and transformative. And this is apparent in the film as well. Um, whether it be him swimming uh, in the ocean or simply splashing water in his face, like there, there's just something about like the use of water in this film that I thought was rather uh, fascinating. When yeah. I didn't think about, sorry, when I didn't think about that much, but I was also looking into it as well was food, because I think in a lot of like, cinema about black families like food is often like a unifying thing like um sometimes in like more cynical ways than others i'm thinking about big mama series but um like (laughs) (laughs) which which i would not think of as invoking in comparison to this movie at all but i get you we we give you variety when i'm on the show right but um (laughs) yeah yeah like it's the, the way that it's showing nurturing, whether it's Juan and Teresa giving him a meal when his mom is, let's say, unavailable, to um, Kevin making that uh, conciliatory chef special, right? Like, that's these moments of nurturing that kind of coincide with the water, which is sort of a rebirth, that leads to these moments that are especially shown throughout the film, these moments of respite from the otherwise hell and trauma that is um chiron's sort of life and existence it sort of leads to the shell that i mean like, sort of the shell that he builds around himself yeah that's a, that's a hell of his own making as an adult because he's yeah. in some ways become the exact thing he was you know meant to be like insulated against <laughs> and yeah it's yeah. hard to be insulated against um, and you know, I mean, kind of the, the, the problems with the system, right? Like you get, uh, you want to get away from like Miami and that life. Um, and you know, he gets sent up to Atlanta and then, uh, you know, there's supposed to be something kind of, um, uh, I guess, you know, you're hoping if somebody's in juvenile detention that, you know, they're teaching them skills to be, uh, an adult, which clearly they're not, this is a punitive system. This is not yeah. a rehabilitative system, but like, uh, for him kind of just to, to start over again and then kind of just become the Juan character pretty much, you know what I mean? Like he's another guy that has somebody, uh, out on, you know, out, like he starts out the same way Juan said he did where he starts out on, you know, on the street, like the wire style pretty much where it's just somebody, uh, hawking fucking crack on the side of the, like yeah. the street. And then you work your way up and then you have somebody working on the side of the street for you at the end of the movie, he's kind of at the position. Juan was that, um, despite the fact that I think Juan would have wanted him to be, was hoping that he could nurture him into he could be being something else. Other than he that. walks yeah. out. Th- that's the end of that like act. It's like he walks out when he connects that his mom does drugs and Juan sells drugs, right? Yeah. So like it, it's, but it, yeah, kind of at the same time you're talking about a economic reality that's definitely the backdrop of this film that uh, he can make more money doing drugs than he can with a record and not having completed, you know, school totally. Right. This is sort of implied. And, and so it's like, also, yeah. oh, sorry, I was just going to say like, that's also his only positive male role model, <laughs> like, yeah. which is crazy. Right. Like, cause it's like, Oh, the reason why my mom is the way she is, is due to like the way this guy makes a living who is literally the only positive male role model in my life. Heartbreaking. Yeah. 
and and there's some kind of i mean um i i was watching a clip and i, I could play this clip but uh mahershala ali's talking about you know the afro-cuban identity as an othering force within this character but at the same time he has to feel guilty about the fact that you know uh people like um Chiron's mother are being you know devastated by the drugs that he's selling whether or not he wants to admit that that's causing a problem to himself in that moment there has to be some kind of guilt I think that goes along with that that's like oh I'm fucking up this you know this kid's family specifically like um and maybe I can give back through you know through taking care of or through nurturing this kid which uh, number one if you die as another uh you know black role model in a kid's life like you've fucked up like you fucked up that kid just as much as you know the, the father figure that he originally presumably had um or you know whoever like yeah like his his family unit already is split and then you're kind of splitting another family unit that he's he's spending time with like that's got to fuck a kid up even more but I, I feel like there's some level of guilt that has to go with that where it's like i want to make sure that this kid's all right because i really am tearing through yeah. this uh this neighborhood whether or not you know i'm kind of stuck in this economic situation too well, it requires a certain amount of cognitive dissonance, right? Because you know how yeah. you're making your money. But then, like, you don't want to think too hard about the ramifications of it. Because the, the, the justification that's made all the time is, like, well, it's only the person who's taking the drugs that's being affected. No, it's everyone around them. It, it, that, that, that's, that's, that's capitalism, though, which is, I think, it I don't is. know how, how – I don't think that how intent that was made in the film. But it kind of just shows it's like, okay, you can have guilt in the moment for your own, like, sort of most tangible maybe effect on it. But at the end of the day, like you're part of the system, you're perpetuating this thing. You participated in it, you don't like it's whatever, whatever. But I think even before all those connections are made, he he and this is mentioned in that interview, is that there are just as there's a lot of homophobia, I'm not just talking about black culture, like it's there, but it's a conservative culture. It's it's a not just even a southern thing. Like you could we hear the same stuff uh in the north part part of the country, in the west coast of the country, et cetera, right? Like it is a coming-of-age story, especially in middle school, which is a time when you pretty much don't get your ass beat as long as you fit into stereotypes that are given to you throughout society. That's kind of what I was alluding to in the very beginning of yeah. this like connection between the Oscars and the white expectations of uh, society, and then in Moonlight, the white expectations of blackness, which is, at least in this situation especially, like, being hard, ready to fight, all these other different things, which Chiron gets bullied immediately for not fitting into any of those stereotypes, and then constantly having to prove himself for that. But you have at least one figure in there um, from the beginning, and, you know, multiple figures throughout who, instead of using the opportunity to call him slurs, like, actually turn him around and go, listen, if you're gay, whatever, but don't let anyone call you any words that demean you. Stand your ground kind of comes through in different ways, and Chiron does it in a lot of different ways, but there's that contrast with him also describing um, how he could, like, cry entire pools worth, right? So there's there's a lot of... I, I think you see a lot of, to Christina's point, you see a lot of, like, allusions to black masculinity but a lot of it's sort of an attack on the stereotype around that which is again existent because of white supremacist culture and what not even white supremacist culture but it's like what gets consumed the most it's not i mean now you're getting a little bit more of the tyler the creators and childish gambinos out there but it used to be like the ice cubes and the nwa and whatever was the hardest and whatever's the most marketed still kind of is right and so it's through that lens that marketable happens whether it's celebrity or whether it's also just like on the streets doing the trap game, right? So I think 
in portraying all these different things but attacking it especially adding the sexuality to it it can take something as universal as just trying to fit in just trying to get by and add a perspective that might you know cause people to look at things differently because they see themselves in it so that's that's why it's a good film and and i think on on top of that like they're adding layers throughout it like as a kid you know they're chasing him around calling him gay and calling him like the f slur but they don't really know what that means i'm assuming you know what i mean like the kids that are doing it and it's something as you know weird as uh or not as weird but like as as i guess off-putting to them or as you know not fitting in as uh the way he's running right like and the mom even is like oh you're gonna tell him you know they pick on him because of the way he walks which you know you could tell him uh not that but like you could you could try to make your kid kind of fit in more or explain you know why people are picking on them the way that they are or something like that it seems like she's fully absent from it right like and and those things you know that that sense of um a kid as the other or that kid as something strange or you know as gay as as something in in that sense to the kids like that as he gets older and as he goes into middle school and that next section of his life um you know the, those like those stereotypes they already have for him or those ideas they already have for him just uh solidify into uh, you know, a harder form of bullying, right? Which eventually causes him to react and then be thrown into the system and, um, you know, fully, fully calcify against that, I guess. But like, uh, it, it's not even, uh, I guess, like, like the, the signs of it, right? It's like the signs of non-masculinity or the signs of femininity that he has aren't even signs that he's is expressing because of that reason as a kid. Like, he's just running weirdly or like, you know, but, it could be something that, that's small. But that's where it gets to, so Barry and Terrell are kind of like, or especially Barry's coming at this from someone who's straight, right? And just kind of sees himself as mm -hmm. an ally. But I'll, I'll tell you that uh, Barry Jenkins and Terrell probably had this experience of not conforming to an idea of blackness by being, uh, just to say it outright, the type of niggas who are doing plays <laughs> and like writing and yeah. doing all that stuff, right? Yeah, so yeah, like, drama school doesn't like loom large in that pantheon, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right? So like in a type of conformity, that some of these coming of age things, like some of this bullying stuff, I, I imagine has to relate to, and that's the universality that you can kind of get from this, even if you are cis and straight, is that if you don't fit into whatever mold is given to you by society, um, it can even fall down gender lines or anything like that, then you end up being cast out by people who don't understand. It's very easy to kind of see that through kids who like are very wanting to bully and have these very like one-dimensional, two-dimensional ideas of all of these different themes. But you bring it to our unfortunate political world and our unfortunate society that we live in right now. And a lot of people are like engaging with middle school level rhetoric and ideas about these same different themes yeah. and it's having real consequences in laws and the way people are treated in actual mass shootings and terroristic events like that. So yeah, which is which is yeah. a point where that the, the story could have gone in a very uh, like a much darker direction, right? When he finally snaps and hits the kid with a chair like that could have just as easily, you know, if it's um, you know, probably not a black story. If it's like the story of like you know a white kid joining the alt right and getting radicalized or something like that, could be easily have become a mass shooting. Like it's that same uh, universal moment of a kid that's been bullied that far, like snapping. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he he he's got that. Um, hey, today's the day. I suggest you leave class early. Walk as yeah. he's about to get yeah, 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 yeah. that. Set up so, so well with the camera in front of him, so you're only watching him enter each of those rooms and it's like oh shit something's about to go down like yeah. this kid and th th there's like the classic uh 
This is why schools have gates around them now. <laughs> well, there's also like the classic, uh, you know, like mirror shot where he's he puts the water on his face and you see him like pop up and it's like he's he's preparing for you know whatever is about to come next and then he hits him with the chair and you know comes a product of the system itself and you know it's by the way free my man's yeah he should have gotten to get out of jail for the like you should get one if it's a kid that's that much of a bully yeah, it's like, that much of a prick you should get yeah. get a, all right that one's that's fine <laughs> you know i got suspended from school once because uh uh this this one you're gonna get with the chair uh, no, I broke his nose though with my fist. Um, because he oh, used solidarity. I, I broke a guy's um, hip once, and, and I remember like uh, as the as we went to the teacher took us both out and took him to the bathroom because just blood was everywhere. Uh, he yeah, had to go clean himself up, and um, she she looked at me while he's in the bathroom and goes, "Thank you. If you didn't punch him, I was going to." There See, that's the go. difference between. <laughs> That's the difference between a white school and like a, a black school in you know in in Miami or something like that. Like, yeah, that kid gets they, they spanked that school. Like they had that, that kid uh, gets let out in handcuffs, and and you get like thank you, thank you for finally punching that kid in the face. No, no, in my situation where I broke a guy's hip because I was feeling myself in my jujitsu classes at the time, oh, wow. um, and I was being bullied. To be fair, um, I, we're just going around breaking random hips. Some people break hearts, I break hips. I, 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 yeah, I, I would definitely would have been suspended, but that's kind of one of the times where I was able to use the fact that my parents worked in the school district. And that's, it was just like yeah. your get out of jail free card that I used like a cat with nine lives. So. Yeah, yeah. Use a little school privilege. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was like a um, two day uh, home suspension as opposed to a full expulsion. So it was chill. What I was what I was thinking about though with uh, Terrell Terrell Alvin McCraney like writing this right like he I, I don't know the the situation behind it because his mom was a drug addict but somehow he um you know whoever whoever was kind of mentoring him or something realized he had talent and like brought him into a, an arts uh, high school in Miami so he got to go to the one you know where they taught you improv at your high school and like got you prepared to you know have a artist track or something like that but this this movie feels to me. The story feels to me like if I hadn't found improv, like where would I be? And he's imagining like, oh, if I hadn't found improv and if they didn't, you know, put me into an arts high school, well, I could have easily gone down this path. And that's where kind of the um... improv and arts high school are really good euphemisms for hand job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I spent a lot of time in art school. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess, you know, Sharon then did get a little bit of a... Uh, the good old fashioned improv, but you know, was, it, didn't, it didn't, it didn't help him get out of the situation in the end. But they really didn't touch him. <laughs> well, it's a good, um, having nothing to do with literally any of that because that's horrible. <laughs> uh, it, it is a good coping mechanism for chaotic environments. I mean, like I had my, my mom was a drug addict. I grew up around the house. Like, you know, what did I do with it? Well, I found ways of creating order from chaos. And that's, uh, you know, led to me being very creative and doing the things that I do. But you need to find those avenues for positive engagement or it's going to come out other ways. You know, it's going to come out uh, like in the way that a lot of people end up becoming bullies and things along those lines. Yeah. yeah my and, dad was and, an alcoholic, so I had to find ways to entertain myself yeah, before well, he got sober. That's a, that, that's a whole different conversation and a whole different. We'll, we'll save that for the addiction movies <laughs> month, which will be a, real, a great one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Movie we're gonna do addiction. Requiem for a Dream. We're gonna do Drunks. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be laughs all around. 
Movie addiction extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, it's but I, the one thing I just want to say before we get too far away from it because I was I, you guys had a good conversation playing out. I just the 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 language is so powerful uh, in so many of the different aspects of here. But like when he when he asked and it's like, oh that's that's a, that's a word that's used to make gay people feel bad. I was like God. Like that's the perfect explanation for a kid, right? And and it's like that's all you need to know. That it's and then and then when it when it turns around, of, of you know, no, just you know, you can be. I, I'm trying to. I'm going out of the way not to say it, as you might understand. But like, I, I thought that whole scene played out very well because of that. Because it's like the alacrity and clarity of language come from someone that you know. Um, probably heard that phrase a lot uh, over the years and knows how it's utilized and maybe even utilize himself being, being having the empathy and I'm, I am using the word empathy uh, intentionally to be like no don't let anyone call you that is it, like that was a really cool scene and again it, it shows how it looms large as him as a like a parental figure I, I feel like I feel like my brain is is really messed up because uh, the first thing that I thought was the Chris Rock bit where he's about like black people and you know what I mean? Where, yeah. I was like, he was like, you know, he's like, uh, there's, there's gay people. And then there's like F slurs. And that's like the first thing that popped into my no, head. No, so, so like, I was going to say, Connie, you <laughs> made that eloquently well. I was just smiling because there's that one moment where Juan goes, don't let anybody ever call you that yeah. unless, and then like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. just looks and goes, no. <laughs> It's like you were doing so well. Get back on the rails. Get back you, on yeah, the rails. Yeah, you, you, you were you were killing it. It was a plus, and then you. Well, th there's a movie. Uh, uh, there's a movie called uh, Tongues Untied. It's a uh, Marlon Riggs movie. Uh, who's an Oakland filmmaker? Unfortunately, uh, died of died of AIDS, if I remember correctly. Um, but it actually it for us it it brings up that um, that Chris Rock bit. Like, and he shows it, but it's like. It's up against all of these other things, and like, is it interesting? Is this film? All his films are pretty interesting. They're pretty artsy, um, but they were. It's pretty transgressive too. And then it got it sh got shown on um, PBS. Uh, I want to say it was like, like what, like some bigger PBS show, and it was incredibly like controversial. Like it was like a like of course like as you can imagine, like the Christian right like flipped out about it, uh, but it like led it to this kind of this larger conversation because it was. Um, I think it was uh, funded by an NEA grant, if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, then, like, Pat, Pat, Pat Buchanan now. got all pissed off about it, of course. Uh, or was it was it um, uh, Jesse Helms? Jesse Helms was the big guy who was railing against uh, NEA grants back in the 80s. Well, he was railing against NEA grants. But I'm talking about specifically with Tongues Untied. was specifically addressed, like, the, the, the Chris Rock bit that uh, – no, no, it's not Chris Rock. It's Eddie Murphy. My bad. It's, uh, yeah, he, uh, Pat Buchanan cited Tongues Untied as an example of President George W. Bush was investing our tax dollars in pornographic in and pornography. Art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's And it's like uh, – it was, He literally was, released an anti-black television advertiser for his campaign. Uh, Pat Buchanan. It was for this series called POV that was like a documentary. R.I.P. Anyway. Pat Buchanan, you would have hated Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, he's dead? I think he's dead. I, I thought he is, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's just no, like he's still alive. Who... He's, he's still yeah, it's it. like him and Kissinger are sitting there laughing it up every single time well, somebody. You know... 84 is apparently like spry and young for this class of people. So, sure. <laughs> yeah, who apparently have to smoke that pack. forever. Yeah, exactly. it's uh, it's it's eighty four is is the new like twenty five when he worked for Nixon. 
That's the because <laughs> that's what they all. Yeah, have I mean, him and Ben Stein are still showing up on Twitter. Leonardo DiCaprio strongly disagrees with that arrangement. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've gotten way off way off track for. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just I want yeah I I didn't mean to I don't know how I caused that I shouldn't take any responsibility. No, no, that's, that's all me. But but I think, I think that like it's it's notable because you just don't hear interactions like that in uh, in cinema where you get those kinds of interaction where like the uh, like the straight parental figure is like talking to the gay kid. And again, undercutting it, sure. <laughs> but like, it's still like you know, just getting that at all. And I understand that. Like, I think know, that was just that was just levity. I don't think that takes away from the moment at all. No, like, I no, think it's, it's just, just like, who it's, he is. Yeah. It's who he is. It's, 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 it's the life he's living. Well, it's it's also just I think the awkwardness of trying to explain to a little kid, uh, you know, like the the nuances there between yeah. disrespect and you know that it's okay to be gay, and then also to be like, well, unless and that's it, it is such a perfect moment because it's like. You know, as someone like in Juan's position, right, or as, as someone who is like a um, trying to be this father figure that doesn't right. necessarily have kids, um, that you know is trying to navigate this. Like, it's very funny to be like, unless to be like, that's too much for like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you could like, stay like this. You were doing Kink is chapter two. Kink is chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Listen, this is little. Wait till he's Chiron. All right. Yeah. And then... yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. This is. Um, but I, I, I found it interesting also, though, the uh, Afro-Cuban identity part of it. And I had a clip of, uh, of Mahershala Ali where he actually, you know, starts crying a little bit in this clip, um, you know, like navigating this movie, which I think everybody involved in it was like very emotionally charged. Like, how yeah. could it not be, right? Um, if you could talk a little bit about... Um, building these characters performing and from the prospect from, from from the idea of of the love that you were giving to each other well in terms of approaching juan i felt like the most important thing was to connect to his heart and um, and i think juan from the moment he really connects to chiron I think he sees a little piece of himself. I think he understands that this young man is a bit of an island. And uh, because Juan is Cuban and he's a very dark skinned Cuban. And so I think that he identified with black culture and tried to assimilate in a certain way, but he's not African-American. And the vast majority of Cubans in Miami are fair skinned. And so you're dealing with somebody who doesn't fit in. And so, his otherness that I think he recognizes very early on is about trying to make this, cause he's at a point where he's a grown man now and he's passed through so many things. And I'm sure as we all do, no matter how old you are, you're still trying to process and still fit in your body in your own way. But I think he sees and recognizes very early on that this young man needs help. So I love the character. <laughs> Janelle, Naomi, could you talk a little bit about the work that you did in the film? Good evening. 
the work, uh, whenever I go into uh, anything, you know, I go into it uh, because I believe in it. I'm moved by it. And when I read the script, I cried two to three times. And when I was most captivated was when I got the opportunity to know Chiron Little and Black because they reminded me of my little cousins. They reminded me of my nephew. They reminded me of a future son. And I saw the entire cast in the community that I grew up in. I grew up in Wyandotte County, Kansas. And I had parents who dealt with addiction. I had cousins who sold drugs. And for me, when I started to think about Teresa and I started to read more into her character, I saw myself. That's the role that I played in my community to my cousins. The older cousin, younger cousin that was just there to listen as they were trying to figure out life, figure out their sexuality, figure out, you know, what does this all mean to love yourself for who you are? And I think that's the main thing that I wanted is I wanted to be that one person that listened to him as he was coming into his own, as he was asking questions. I didn't want to judge him. I didn't want him to feel like um, I was anything other than someone who loved him, a rock for him, a shoulder for him, and just someone that listened. It's amazing how much I can do. Yeah, I uh, I think it's kind of funny, but <laughs> when I first watched the clip, uh, and he's like, he's like, this kid is an island, and I was like, don't say just like Cuba is an island, please, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> this ain't Drake. It's not gonna break out into the kid is an island, man. No, he's not gonna make it. <laughs> Running around, catching up all that light. You're an island. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think that. Uh, she does a very good job in this of just kind of listening because we don't get that much information about, um, you know, her her character really outside of the fact that she's this mothering figure. I, I think it's kind of fascinating when the kids are bullying him. Like, obviously, it's a it's a community where everybody knows each other, but they're like, oh, that's Juan's lady, and then you know they're they're picking on him by saying like, oh, well, she's gonna you know she's gonna suck me off, and then like your mom your mom's does your mom still suck me off? Like, I I think that that bullying is very like targeted and um it's clearly written by like someone who has been uh bullied in that capacity right like who has had a parent struggle with addiction and who has um been in in that situation where number not is not only is he getting bullied but it's like this real personal uh shit where it's like we know where you've been we know you know your, your mom's situation is we know like uh what you know your surrogate mom situation is like um so that that part of it kind of stuck out to me. I mean, you know, it's the classic middle school. I fucked your mom bullying, but like, but, but it, it, it feels it hits a little bit different when it's like feasibly true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's look, it's heavy, but I mean, let's not dance around the issue, right? I mean, it's that's and that's the kind of that's the next level of of resting shame that can come from having someone. That, that close to you in your in your family unit that there's an addict we're just like it, it's like it, there's the, there's just the like oh wow somebody said something horrible to like no this person does something horrible and like they're 
I have to deal with that, even though I don't have the capacity or lexicon or emotional acumen to deal with that. I mean, just that scene where, uh, like, Chiron's mom, like, frisks him down for money. Like, yeah. And, like, makes him feel guilty. Does the whole, like, thing that sometimes addicts at their worst do, where they're being manipulative and just, like, throwing everything at the wall at you, yeah. kind of just as an expression of their own inner anger, and then turn around and says, oh, by the way, you're going to have to go to school. And then that's, yeah. like, one of the days where he's getting, like, bullied the hardest. Like, it's just... And then she he, she turns around that day and she always as she always does and goes oh where'd you go I missed you I didn't want you to leave just a complete yeah. contradiction of that back and forth it kind of yeah it plays into a what he has to heal from but b like kind of his emotions of where he really is who he really is and what he has to conform to yeah and, and, the fact and it that goes she from... did this in three days like she had three days to do this performance and, and yeah, that's pretty you know, wild like like, like uh, how did they do that. <laughs> get it in get it in yeah. man. but like the 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 part about it also that's like the most fucked up i think is she kicks him out and goes go somewhere else you know like because she has her uh you know the, yeah. the the world's chubbiest crackhead that she's hanging out with uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yo crack, oh, supposed to make you skinny son come on but, uh, so, she has, <laughs> so she has that she has that guy over and she's like go find somewhere else to go which you know in, in the beginning of the movie like he's already been left on the street pretty much and he knows not to come home on certain days and then she like manipulates him that way but then when he comes home she's like oh i didn't mean all night like i meant you and it's like number one like like bitch the fuck you didn't <laughs> number two like that's such a manipulative way she's like oh you're my only son like i love you and like she has i guess she has her fucking uh junk by that point or whatever and is like you know feeling feeling all love you but it's that it's that um that i think it's called love bomb is what she's doing a little bit too yeah yeah by the way, Rob Ford was a fat crackhead, so we regret the error. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought they only had them in Canada. <laughs> yeah, just it's a Canadian thing only. <laughs> yeah, uh, what a time! 2013, what a time! Well, but it's but that's that's what it's like having like a parent as an addict, like it, like and you and you get that like you get that range of emotion, and and it is that pronounced, and it's it is exactly like that, and it's it's. It is very well acted, and you know, and that that can that can mean Especially a lot. Because someone's she, lived it. She's British. Yeah, it feels very visceral. <laughs> yeah, but you said she's yeah. British. Yeah, yeah. That actor, therefore, good actor. It's like, no, like when, when, no. when you add when you add British to your character, it's already like plus no. I'm saying like the, the actors, bar. the actress. Like I, I was she doesn't have an remember. accent in it. She isn't British in this, so she does a pretty convincing. Okay, yeah, we know you're rooting accent. for Tom and Succession. All right, and 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 and, and Shiv was like most the eye candy of the show. I I, I would concede that all right. But like you can't just give all the attributes to the British actors. <laughs> but no, but like th her transformation was so much uh, crazier because I've seen her in, in so like so much stuff. Like, like I mean, James Bond. I mean, she, she's she's Penny. She was in like uh, yeah. Skyfall. She was in Twenty Eight Days Later. She's been yeah. in so much so much stuff, and for her to make that full transformation into being like a, a drug addict. Number one, a drug addict, but number two, from Miami, like a completely different country, and to like fully transform into that role so much. I often think of Florida as a different country. <laughs> Got to learn a new language. Exactly. Mm. Most of it involves throwing alligators at people. 
Yeah, it's a lot of alligators involved in every news item. It's really weird. Yes. I didn't believe it till I saw it. I Florida know, man had alligators. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of Florida man, and there's a lot, it's alligators in every news segment. They're here. They're at the liquor store. They're at the parking lot. They're at the swimming pool. These well, there's, the, there's a famous one where the guy picked up the alligator and uh, brought the alligator into the liquor store. And like, there's so many questions about that news story because he like bought a bottle with an al- holding an alligator. And he blacked out, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't know. It was I brought the alligator with me to the liquor store. You needed to look into the fucking liquor store and see what was, you know, what was going on in there." Alligators are in water, which is a theme of. Oh yeah, we're discussing moonlight. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Anybody remember that movie? Yeah. But there were no alligators in moonlight. It could have been. Well, let's try. I mean, I think the the. The relationship between the two men is, is so interesting because, like, for me, when they were the beach scene, which is amazing, like, it's a centerpiece of the um, of, of the movie, right? Like, it's it's so intrinsic to, like, the character, so intrinsic to, like, how the film all fits together. It's, in, in some ways, like, a callback to earlier things and a precursor to things that uh, will show up later. And it's... It's not immediately apparent, like, what this relationship between these two guys are. It's, like, obviously they're friends, but it's sort of like, well, he digs him, but, like, is this, like, it's hard to tell what this dude is. And then you're just like, oh, oh, okay, there we go, and now it's clear. All right, right on. But then, my, of course, my immediate reaction is, like, well, how, how's that going to play out? Because, again, they're in this, you know, freaking high school, <laughs> which is not known as a hotbed of tolerance for, like, literally Kevin's anything. a bi-king, apparently. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. I mean, well, like, he's, he's he's performing his own version of masculinity throughout the scene, where he's like, you know, he's like, uh, I, you know, I was clapping her cheeks, and I was in the back hall, and you know, yeah, don't don't tell anybody. I know you. Can I just wanted head, but obviously, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, just, but that's also like a wink to the fact that you know, there's that scene where they're all showing each other their dicks in the beginning, and yeah. he's like, and I know one of them looks like Freddy Krueger, like like. Yeah. <laughs> So also, I I kind of feel left out. I never got invited to like the you know the the back shed dick showing party as a kid. Like I feel like I missed out on something there. But Freddy Krueger, that's what you missed out on. <laughs> but uh, no, so like it, it's a callback to that. But at the same time, there seems to be like so much charisma. I think with with Kevin in some ways, that, yeah. like he, he draws he draws people into him. And uh, I guess he's just a bi king. I guess like that really is what it comes down to. But then it's funny to see, like, as an adult, Kevin like, raised up, <laughs> Chiron. As as an adult, like, he doesn't have that same panache until the very end, and then like that's when you kind of see like a little bit of that charisma, where it's sort of like, oh, okay, you know, like, like, I, and I thought that was actually because at first I w- it bothered me. First of all, I was like, oh, it's hard to believe that this is the same guy. That sucks. And then it's like, oh no, I get it. I, I get like why it all fits together now. Like it's sort of like that's not something he isn't that person all the time anymore. But when, you know, when that 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 line of you know like, do the only one I've been with, right? And then and, and then you just kind of see him kind of like, he's kind of like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it's like then you see a bit of the Bi King come back, right? Well, <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like it's the Bi King started in the car. Where he's like, yeah, so you just like drove down here, and like he starts, yeah, to where, get, where he's talking, he like it's, it's like, on the ramp up, yeah, 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 like he but you don't get see... comfortable, and well, like the, the, he starts. The, the biking is definitely yeah. on the, the biking is definitely on the beach with the uh, blunt. Yeah, oh, one hundred. That. That's without question. Like the teenage, yeah. 
we're good. I'm talking about like the adult, the adult yeah. version, which yeah. is sort of like, well, he's got some, he's got some panache, you know, like I guess a little bit of swagger, but then like, like it didn't, it didn't hit in the same way, and then it until it did. So it, it was, it was a good ramp up for it, and that's a yeah. hard when when you're trying to to get. Uh, An eleven-year uh, emotional long game, though a little bit manipulative, typical man. A little bit, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> classic man. Yeah, yeah, exactly, classic. And he like calls him on the phone. He's like, "Hey, haven't haven't heard from you from in a while. You know, it's been a got few your number years. from Teresa. <laughs> what a skank, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we ever hear about her too. We like, like, hey, I got I got my number, like your number from her. You know, it's been a while, and I've been thinking, like, I make food now, and like you probably eat. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Asking yeah, for yeah. the chef special. It's macaque. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, exactly. Exactly. Um. I don't know. I started to feel it. I started to feel the Bike King style, like in the car. And then by the time they get to his house, I'm like, yeah, all right. So you like brought the guy back to, he even like does that move where he's like, so where are you staying? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. like a 13 car ride back. You know, he's not just going to send it back. Come on. <laughs> yeah. He could have he cut it off and been like, oh man, I would let you stay over, but I got little Kevin over and like, thanks for the ride though. Like, no, no, no! Wait, yeah, come that, back, come back, come back! I got book club <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, oh, slash <laughs> Black's personality is definitely like a type of gay man who's like still like slowly adventuring and getting out there, even like their older like age or whatever. And Are so, like, kid, that, that's man. cool representation there too. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. They, they they need to be seen, seen on screen. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they're not together. You, you know, they they got to appear for, for junior, but you know. Yeah, yeah. and then you got Chiron, who's basically Black Mike Pence with the uh, level that he's. That's that's the speed that he's going into it with. He's like, I'm uh, I'm 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 here, and uh, I, I'm not sure what what to do next. But <laughs> um, my wife, <laughs> my, my I have to check with mother whether I can uh, come come back. <laughs> so, 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 so what do you do? Do you have uh, like a ranking score for movies? Do you just like? But I think uh, bef- how, how do you wrap it up? You have a bracket. You have a bracket, really? <laughs> do, 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 do you make the movies debate? We uh, well, we we first we got uh, letterbox one liners. That's right. It's my time to shine, people. This so this is uh, Dan. This is uh, Letterbox. Are you familiar with this site? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. So it's a it's a social media site for film lovers who talk at with and to each other about the movies that they love. Sounds uh, profitable. The movies that they that they didn't love, the, the movies that they uh, just had strong opinions on, the movies they wanted to shout out quotes from, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum, open source democracy, everyone gets to have their say, Gnostics and Siskel's and Ebert's of the world. Uh, and so, Can't wait till Anonymous gets to it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, this is best expressed succinctly uh, for the purpose of this bit, which is a collection of the various reviews for the movie that we we're talking about in question, which we put on the screen and then uh, react to. So these are the letterbox one-liners for Moonlight. I'm glad my friend group was not the type to compare dick sizes at the age of seven. See, I feel the opposite way. I would have liked to be part of a friend group that compared. Like I'm just saying, like I don't know. I feel left out. There's, it seems like there's a formative, a formative, a formative experience in this that I did not have. It's like yeah, well, Quentin. It's like Quentin Tarantino. It's like how else would you know it's an A24 film if you didn't have like some gratuitous underage like uh, sexuality <laughs> going on? <laughs> it's, 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 it's just that Midas touch. <laughs> it's, it's it's this and like Lady Bird. Like this is the. 
This is this is black ladybird. <laughs> but the thing is, though, you you could have grown up like, like a of the aisle could run <laughs> as but a well hung child. Sorry, if you ahead. had that experience, you could have grown up like Rod Dreyer and wrote about the uh, what was this, the phrase he used about his uh, friend's penis from middle school, like a, the uh, uh, black root wiener, I believe was the uh, phrase. All right. Let's... Dear Lord. I, yeah, that's, 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 that's enough. Yeah. The, the chairhead was insane. Like, no one is going to let that down. Like, 10 years later, people are still going to be talking about it. Yeah, yo, it is, his back is going to be fucked up, too. And they're gonna be like, yo, remember when he hit you with that chair? That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he, like, enters. The he, like, enters, he, like, enters an office, and they're like, that's the guy that got hit by the chair. Exactly. <laughs> that's, how, exactly. that's how that guy will now be known for the rest of, of time. Had it coming, though. Unless he moves. Oh, he won Hundo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you got to, if you're going to go out, you got to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, he ain't going to be fucked with again. <laughs> Is that the same guy? My mom, seven times. <laughs> <laughs> Did she run right that review? Exactly. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> Sir, please. That's my emotional support fictional father figure. <laughs> that's uh, you know, when the when the opioid crisis really kicks up again, we're gonna have that as a startup. You're gonna you just go on there and you can scroll through and find a father figure. AI dads. <laughs> Best picture goes to Moonlight. That's goddamn right. Socialism. Bullying works. Do not pick on the quiet kid. <laughs> no, never do. I feel like I feel like that's never the entire do. genre of films. Like there's one version of it that's like, you know, school shooter type situations. The other one is just you could get hit in the back with a chair. Yeah, because falling down became too real. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Oh, falling down. How do I tattoo an entire two hour long movie on my forehead? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you could just go in moonlight. Black boys look blue. <laughs> you just exactly. get that tattooed on your forehead. Ted Danson style. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just like, just like classic comedic actor Ted Danson. Not to sound like a cheesy old lady, but this shit's breathtaking, bro. It it made it made good use of like the A two the A two four lighting. Like I feel like every project that they've worked on has like the same kind of fucking cool lighting going on in it. And like good this. use of the high frame shot high frame shots versus like the low frame shots like the close-ups like you're yeah. saying like the eye level stuff it's there's that there's, there's an artiste to it it's very visual and it, it's like getting an, a new iphone or a new galaxy where it's just like oh wow the camera just turned saturation <laughs> up more yeah um, i guess well, I'll they also keep changed uh, film stock for each uh each gener you know each segment so so that uh changed the look of everything and how you light it and everything. So so it makes sense. And, uh, you know, they even changed the color of the chair. You know, it was a... <laughs> <laughs> Bro got buff, yet still mumbled. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, like, it, it's a story of, like, extreme fucking repression. Like, he's he's sitting there just repressed as shit. Muscles bulging. You know what I mean? Like, the, the truth is bulging out of him almost. And... <laughs> Just, you can't you can't string those words together because he's like insecure to the point of uh, like Mormon levels of fucking repression. How many times have you watched this movie? Just bulging out? Like <laughs> <laughs> it's no La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Nothing to be said there. Made me hungry was one of the tags. That's the only thing I'll point out. Why did that make you hungry? I guess they talk about food a lot. Uh, well, anyway. Maybe that last with, uh, with Kevin. He's like, I'm I don't actually want an answer. I'm tagging the bit. It's, that is the Letterbox one-liners for Moonlight. Please follow Not Blue, performing a masculinity forest over there. What's wrong with my arm? There we go. Uh, he's the, He represents the show, log, and all the stuff that we – I know. It's, I'm walking like an Egyptian suddenly. It's cultural appropriation <laughs> up down the wazoo. <laughs> Uh, on Juneteenth week as well. Wow. On June, yeah, wow. Wow. Uh, you can follow the him for the show account for all the stuff that we uh, cover on this show. I am the Dina Podcast, Kona Neutron. I am all over that business doing the highbrow, uh, the midbrow, uh, the populist fair. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge if you feel so inclined. J. Andrew White World would rob a bank for his wife from last episode uh, <laughs> just still would just to be fair he, just, he wants it out there i'll rob a bank for her. uh yeah. and and he also hey it's our 20th this year you. so you know mm. I, I, is, is that the bank robbing anniversary i wasn't aware <laughs> but, okay uh is watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to or maybe so you can it's not for me to judge it's not for me to say uh but he's doing it nonetheless uh best actress emma stone whoops over there christina is uh on letterboxd Perhaps she'd be getting enticed back to write a review or two. She's still, uh, uh, I think you, you said you you may be doing the Oppenheimer Barbie double feature. Maybe may bring you back to Letterboxd, right? Picture so. show. Watch, watch that with bated breath. Uh, Dan from the internet's way too busy enjoying music to be on Letterboxd, but he appreciates y'all nonetheless. You should have one for Tom's reversal. You too could talk music. Absolutely. But before we do that, Andrew World, please take with plugs. Hey, if you're watching us on YouTube, please do those YouTube things, like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell. And the big ask is to watch the video to the end. That lets uh, movie fans find our content, and uh, you got to hear a great Conan Neutron song. That's right. Uh, if you are over on Twitch, please do the Twitch things. Uh, get, throw us a sub. If you have an Amazon Prime account, please, um, uh, what do you do? You get to subscribe for free with Amazon Prime, which is great. That helps us out. doesn't cost you a penny. <laughs> Um, we're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, so if, uh, you're on one of those sites, please follow us there. Um, and unless Dan uh, from the internet has some blue sky invites for me and me alone <laughs> <laughs> and not forest. Yeah, definitely not forest. <laughs> He's too busy. I don't need to have one, but forest does not need to have one. <laughs> it's kind of dying anyways, sadly. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Not the it same. popping. Gotta uh, fix that, I'll go. Anyway, don't find us on Blue Sky. Thank you. Moving yeah, on. don't find us on Blue Sky, but find <laughs> us on Patreon. Because Patreon's a lot of fun. If you like the how we kind of started off the show and was a little off the rails, um, and you want to see us go totally off the rails, <laughs> join our Patreon because you'll have access to get to our after parties where you can see us go totally off the rails. Yeah. Yes. This show is too tightly focused. I want more nonsense. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know we got some pretty tight uh, after parties. Too. There's some we, good, we got stuff. a good mix it's, of them. It's, yeah, it's no, it's a lot of fun. Um, you, you don't know what you're going to find there. You might find us uh, having a deep discussion on like how to podcast better or smash right. and pass Muppets. You never know. That's right. <laughs> the classic bit. Yeah. Apparently, we'll never die. No. <laughs> well, it lives forever there. So please become a member on Patreon. Conan, you have um, yes. a, a great show called Protonic Reversal. I do. Yes, correct. And I did not write down who your guests were. So fantastic! So, uh, you did a yes. wonderful job. Uh, so Tim Green of the Fucking Champs was on last week, which is great. Uh, he's also Nation Ulysses. Um, has produced a bunch of music, runs Ladder Studios, so on and so on. Pete Stahl of Scream 
is going to be this week, which if you don't know the band Scream, you certainly know their former drummer, Dave Grohl. Uh, and he is, uh, he was the original, uh, well, not the original drummer for Scream, but one of, the, obviously the most famous one. Yeah. And uh, there, uh, Pete Stahl's really interesting dude. He's kind of caught up in Dave Ketching's world and stuff. Uh, really interesting cat. And uh, that should be a good conversation. Looking forward to talking to him. He's seen a lot of history. That guy's like DC punk rock royalty and lives in the desert now. It's crazy. Thank you. Yeah, Princess Stunning has just dropped an album. It is. They did. It, it is a. It is an album. It's, I, it's I, I've listened to it exactly one time, and I thought it was fine. I, I liked it better than the last one. Yeah, better than the last one. It's just can't beat the classics. I'll say. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like, look, like we, we this is a whole separate discussion. We could we get into this a whole after party about the Queens of the Stone Age, which I just gotta be careful. Uh, are we doing there. an after party tonight, or is that? I mean, do you want like if you want to, we can. I, I it, I can stay around a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Well, let's All see right. how let's, let's see how fast it. we get through these plugs. So yeah, that's one of mine. Yeah, yeah. But we also have um, uh, yeah, Neutron Friends at Bandcamp.com, uh, where you can get all your Kona Neutron music. Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends, is the name of the band. Neutron Friends at Bandcamp.com is the Bandcamp. Yes, where you can buy everything. Correct. There's a new album coming too, uh, and I one of these shows I'll I'll be able to oh. announce it, but it's not this one. Nope. <laughs> But you can get your entire discography for like what twenty five bucks. Yeah, it's it's something ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 a great deal. Like like, get it, download it. You, you'll enjoy it. You'll love it. It's it's great. Um, most importantly, it gives me money. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the most important thing of all to do. Correct. There's also That's a Patreon for all about. Exactly. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, if you if you want to keep giving coding money, there is a Patreon for Photonic Reversal. Dollar a month gets you early access to episodes. It's Bernie Sanders' model, Dan. I, 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 I get a lot of donors giving a dollar a month. Thank you. Yeah. And Christina, so you have a Twitch channel, or, or yeah. maybe not. Christina, yeah. who's apparently on this show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I don't have my meds, so I'm off it, man. I'm like, mm, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, you got the bisexual lighting. That means you're smoking crack in there, right? That's what I got from my lights. <laughs> Crack is whack, like Whitney said. <laughs> Cocaine's insane. <laughs> <laughs> but but also if you if you want to support Christina, check out uh, coffee.com slash cosmopolitics. That's K-O-F-I. Yes. And you can you can help her out and buy her a coffee. Yep. Give me your Damn, money, Christina's please. having a dark night of the soul about whether or not she should switch to the uh what's what's the other thing? I can't even remember. Kick, the man. Sure. Kick? Kick. Like I'm gonna kick you in the nuts. Oh, okay. <laughs> Apparently, and, and we got we got Dan from the internet who has this show, The Power Report. Yes, streaming Thursdays, uh, most Thursdays. You know, may take a break here or there. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Twitch.tv slash Dan from the web. And we're also going to start doing <clears throat> audio face on Sundays around the same time, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Um, reviewing new music again almost every single week. Uh, yeah, check that out. Every week we have an arbitrary scale where we just make up a new ranking system so we don't use letter grades or number grades. It's it's, it's really it's, it's right. a fun little challenge. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, YouTube.com slash AudioFacePod. Okay, AudioFace is the name of it. Okay, I, I wasn't quite yeah. sure what that was. I did not write that down. My bad. No worries. All right. Uh, that sounds like fun. Sounds interesting. <laughs> there we go. But... uh. uh and I lost my Apple Pencil, so if anybody wants to, uh, you know, send me a few bucks on um, 
uh, by, by, by uh, Venmo or or, uh, or just send the Apple pencil back because apparently yeah <laughs> yeah because uh, I can't draw and it's it's like driving me nuts. I, You're gonna find out the letter hack. He has, he's holding it hostage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've literally like been tearing the house apart. Come to daddy. <laughs> Push it through the screen. What is that the theme song to? I think that's a new StreamYard feature. Dan is poking the screen with Have a dream. But Dan, you got some final thoughts? Just anything we didn't get to or uh you know anything else about this movie uh no that's uh i i'm thank you for having me on yeah for sure i'm, I'm <laughs> excited i'm excited coming. that we finally had you on because yeah. we've been uh trying to make Took this long enough. for a while thanks for making me watch a movie actually that, that, that that's really <laughs> great honestly my, my friends will know how difficult it is to drag me into pop culture maybe i'll <laughs> watch, watch better call Saul next or something I, I i love better call Saul, but uh but christina Final thoughts. Yeah, this actually is a really good, <laughs> this is actually a really good like post like Obama era type of film, especially when it represents like black queerness and the like. Um, of course, this film was more infamous over the fact that everyone thought that La La Land won Best Picture, but it's definitely worth the watch. Um, it's a film that I didn't initially saw when it first came out. Um, but I saw it uh, when it firstly, like, I think it dropped on HBO Max a, a while back, or Max, or whatever it's calling it itself now, though, I don't know. Yeah, um, the popular part, the Max part, that everybody yeah. likes. The everybody one that likes that part. But yeah, I really do enjoy, I did really it's, enjoy this movie, and um, I look, for, I look um, forward to more what Barry Jenkins <laughs> comes out with. HBO, HBO is like, I don't, I don't do that HBO shit anymore. It's Max now, and if you don't, you know, if, if, you, if Game you're of Thrones and Guy it. Fieri, old shit, old shit. But uh, but Conan, any yeah, uh, yeah. Any thoughts? I do, yeah. I think it's a very lonely, sad, and beautiful coming of age film. It has great use of color. Uh, it's understated, kind of quietly enigmatic, uh, visually stunning, and heartrending. It, it ends in a hopeful turn, and I think it's it's shameful that it took me so long to watch it. But I'm glad I'm doing. I'm glad we covered it. That was a good conversation. You just got to use the excuse that I did, where it's like, you know, 2016 was just a crazy year. A lot was going on. Like, <laughs> it was wild, man. <laughs> um, Andy, final thoughts. Yeah, my, my 2016, I, I went through this Jason Statham kick where I was just watching all the Jason <laughs> Statham movies, but only the ones where he actually but, kicked people, which is all yes, of them. <laughs> pretty much. Um, uh, I think there's like three he didn't, but, but, uh, no, um, I, I'm really glad we, you know, we got to watch this movie because, um, it is, uh, beautifully shot. I mean, just, just, the uh, you know, uh, I, I always, it drives me nuts whenever they, there's like low contrast films and there, there are some low contrast scenes in here. However, they actually use contrast in those, like, like, like they're almost silhouettes the, the way that they're painting it. And it's, um, uh, with just enough just enough highlights to kind of give you a little depth to, uh, to, to the characters um, and, and, a, and a couple of the scenes. So, so I was really happy about that. Um, the, and uh, the use of color too, just, just uh, lots of very cool colors. Um, uh, I did not initially. 824 style where, you know, it's just always cool colors. 
Yeah, no, but no, specifically cool colors. I'm not, you know, talking about the warm colors of the um, uh, uh, of the crack room. Because remember, the crack room has pink light. Um, you know, <laughs> the crack room is for smoking crack only. Yes, Thank and you. you have light like this just shining for some reason. <laughs> um, and there's no sound in it for some reason in parts of it. She's like, A24 lighting, let's know. go. But there we go. <laughs> There we go. Yes. Um, so, so that's how you know. I like that he felt the need to get a visual but, but, aid. That was a bold move. <laughs> like, yes, a light, like the audio yes. oh. He has a light, people. Yeah. It's like a producer tag. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, no, I, I, I uh, really did enjoy the fact that like it, it wasn't uh, the the colors were so subtle, uh, su- uh, you know, just subtly used throughout the film, and. Uh, the, there was still kind of a tonality that that kind of linked the whole thing, even though like they did change the film stock, which when you do that, that has to change, you know, your colors, the way you like yeah. things and, and everything else uh, and, and making it. So so uh, but but it's just incredible how, how it all worked out. They they used everything that they could, um, you know, not just the A24 lighting, but but all the tricks of the trade to really make this a gorgeous film. OK. Well, we're going to hop on to the after party in a few minutes. Um, cool. You know, I, I think that this, 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 this went well. 